Welcome to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses Leadership Podcast, exploring leadership in nursing through inspiring conversations. Today's episode is sponsored by AACN's online community forums, offering peer support to nurses on a variety of topics, with information available at aecn.org forward slash online community. Now here's your host, AACN's Chief Clinical Officer, Connie Barden. This is Connie Barden. This episode is a special one for me. It's a re-release of a Facebook Live discussion I had with Dr. Cinda Rushton from the Johns Hopkins University School of Nursing, and we called it, I'm Not Okay, Dealing with the Baggage of a Prolonged Pandemic. Amongst many other lessons, the COVID pandemic has shown us how critical it is that leaders hear and understand the needs of our critical care nursing community. This discussion explores the current state of our community and how nurses can help support themselves and one another during this difficult time. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with my friend and colleague, Dr. Cinda Rushton. I'm Connie Barden, Chief Clinical Officer at the American Association of Critical Care Nurses, AACN. And I'm thrilled today to get to chat with Dr. Cinda Rushton. Cinda is the Anne and George Bunting Professor of Clinical Ethics at Johns Hopkins University School of Nursing and the Berman Institute of Bioethics there. Cinda, we're so thrilled that you're here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Connie. It's my, it's my pleasure to be here. I also want to welcome those who are joining us virtually. I know that you all have a lot to deal with right now. We are all living in a world, both personally and professionally, like we've never seen before. AACN sees you, we hear you. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why we're having this chat today. We really see ourselves not just as your professional organization, but as as a community of nurses. And, And so coming together for conversations like these, we think are really important. Um, You know, the first thing that comes to mind for me is our title. We entitled this thing, I'm Not Okay, and we're talking about dealing with uh, baggage from a prolonged pandemic. What does that bring up for you when you think about such a thing? Well, Connie, it has been quite a journey, hasn't it? You know, in so many ways, nurses have shown up. They have gone above and beyond to provide care in these really extreme circumstances where we've had scarcity of all kinds, including people, to um, to deal with the number of people who need our care. And alongside that has been a lot of frustration that um, despite the sacrifices that nurses have made, it's like the finish line keeps getting moved and they have not had a break, even though they keep showing up again and again and again. What I've heard is that nurses don't feel heard. They don't feel appreciated and understood. And in the sessions I've been doing with nurses uh, throughout the pandemic, they speak about the isolation of what they have witnessed and participated in over these many months. Their worries about their own health and that of their families, the extra weight that they've carried to accompany dying people at the end of their lives when their families couldn't be there. And 
how they, you know, day after day put on that PPE garb and provided care to sick patients. Many of them do feel abandoned by their organizations. Uh, Early on, it was lack of PPE. And then often they were asked to fill the vacant shifts. And then when the wave passed, some of them were even furloughed. So there isn't a kind of accumulated um, despair and anger. And some of that has even been intensified because many of them feel they've been abandoned by society. Nurses take a very strong social covenant with their patients. You know, that's why we are the most trusted profession, I do believe. And yet at the same time, our service uh, to the country is not a unidimensional uh, commitment. Many nurses feel like they've shown up over and over again to provide care. And many Americans have refused to take basic public health precautions that would have prevented them from actually needing critical care in the first place. And I think, you know, that is for many nurses kind of the final blow, um, the feeling that our patients have turned against us in a way that has often been the fuel for our work. So I think there's a sense of exhaustion. There's a sense of people feeling morally injured and discouraged and angry. And at the same time, I have to also pause and acknowledge the incredible courage and compassion that we've seen. Thinking about that, we are accustomed to nurses having incredible physical demands and and emotional demands. That's it. But you use the terms uh, distress, despair, and anger, like this continuum. And I don't know that nurses are always comfortable with those extreme type of emotions, especially in this prolonged type of environment, particularly anger. So certainly we see some of the causes. You delineate the causes. But what are the consequences of these types of extreme emotions that we need to be concerned about, that people are probably feeling? Well, first of all, anger kind of has a bad rap. <laughs> you know, we we often have a negative connotation of anger as, you know, that's a, a, a negative emotion. But in, you know, its most fundamental form, anger is just energy. And so if you think about it, it comes up when there's a threat to something that we really care about, you know, our identity. How can I see myself as a good nurse in this situation? When our safety is threatened, when our values, the things that matter most to us, you know, our commitment to relieve suffering, to benefit others, and our sense of who we really are, our personhood, is threatened in some way. It can be, for some people, our kind of go-to emotion when we feel fear or anxiety or helplessness or frustration, and it's not unexpected in the circumstances we've been in. You know, we feel helpless to change our patients' choices. We feel powerless to change the fact that we're in a pandemic, that um, the efforts that we are undertaking are really not producing the results that we want. So on the one hand, um, anger is an expected and justified response to a violation of something that really matters to us, um, you know, our beliefs, our values. 
And in my work, you know, moral outrage is a is an expected response when there's been a violation of some really important value. If you think about how our nervous system works, we resonate with each other positively and negatively. Our energy connects us. And so right now, I think there is a kind of collective anger that um, has really accumulated. And the question is, is when we become angry and we stay in a chronic state of anger, what happens? And I think this is where anger has two sides. It can be unregulated and sort of spewed everywhere, causing more harm, or it can be harnessed and regulated and used in a way that may produce better outcomes. People feel completely depleted and they start feeling as if they are victims because they have no power. When I think about the consequences of anger, uh, one of the things that can happen is it overwhelms our sense of our basic goodness. And we start wondering, who am I now? Who am I in this circumstance? I don't really recognize myself anymore. Am I a good nurse or not? And that kind of thinking, I think, really is a lot for us to carry because what happens is if we don't process our anger, it starts seeping into other areas of our lives. We start being short with our colleagues, our friends, our family. We shut down and we shut out people who actually want to be of support. And sometimes in situations where it's prolonged, like it's been in this pandemic, it can accumulate and it kind of paralyzes us or else we end up turning it on ourselves and we become really self-critical. I failed, I didn't do enough, or we become really depressed. And we're seeing all of those symptoms right now in our world, but in our workforce. And so it's really important to be able to recognize that anger has a purpose and many of us are not sure what to do with it. You know, we feel like we shouldn't feel that way. And yet we do. That was exactly one thing I was going to ask you. Some people, besides not feeling they should feel that way, actually feel guilty if they're angry. And if you combine this lack of compassion or empathy for a nurse, that can be very unsettling. We uh, have heard messages from the time we were little that anger was not acceptable, that only uh, positive emotions were the things we ought to express. And we shouldn't feel this way about our patients, and we certainly shouldn't say it out loud. But what happens is, I think when we deny it and we try to hide it, it starts oozing out somewhere else. I think it can become kind of overwhelming that uh, we don't know what to do with it. And yet what's really needed, I think, for us to first of all, acknowledge that the emotion is there and to really honor it so that we can begin the process of letting go of it so that it doesn't have this tight grip on us anymore. Like on a daily basis, when I'm just having this range of emotions of all kinds, how can I shake loose of it maybe every day at the end of a shift? A great question, because 
you know, the truth of the matter is people are at work, they're holding it all together. And one of the things that I've heard so many times from my nursing colleagues is, you know, I get in the car every day and I cry or I scream. And in that little sanctuary of my car, I just let it all out. And I think those are really important practices to allow ourselves, not because we're weak, it's because we need the emotional release of what we've carried all day long. Most people have been holding their breath the entire shift. We haven't taken a full breath. And so we can do that. Some people, you know, they need to, at the end of their shift, as they wash their hands the last time, to let whatever has sort of persisted through the day, to let it go down the drain. Or when you get in the shower, when you get home, to let that shower be the place to really rinse off all the residue, the anger, just let it go down the drain. Some people, you know, they need to move their bodies because we do harbor a lot of our anger in our body. You know, I have a student of mine who is very interested in dance therapy. And there's a lot of evidence that moving our body is an important way to release stress. So, you know, dancing, uh, running, hitting the punching bag, whatever it is, doing some physical activity to let loose whatever has kind of gotten stuck. And another one that has been really, really effective for some people is journaling. You know, being able to write it down. There's something about the act of writing it down in a lot of detail. Our mind loves the detail. And if we can put it on the paper, then we can begin to say, oh, I've let go of just this little bit of this. Cinda, I know from your work, you have some very useful notions about people do exactly what you're talking about, identifying these various emotions, whether it's anger or other things, and then steps to move forward to work with it so that we don't hurt ourselves and others. I don't know that there's a, a straight line process, but what can you share with us about that? One of the things that scares us is if I express my anger, I might kind of get out of control. <laughs> but it's really important to be able to express it so that it becomes something we can work with. And it's not just this toxic poison that is, you know, basically used against ourselves because over time, the people who really are burdened most are us. And so the question is, is how do we harness it and use it as a guide and a motivator for action? The first step in that is we need to really name what has caused this response to occur in the first place. What is it that feels threatened or betrayed? And to be able to say that out loud I've spent so much time with nurses and healing circles and small groups and one-on-one -on -one and being able to say, I am angry. I am really, really angry. And I'm angry at whoever it is, helps us to begin to own it. And then to be able to notice where is this anger showing up in my body? Because most of us carry anger in our body in our jaws, in our neck, in our shoulders. Just think about at the end of your shift, the body is just on lockdown. Your heart, I don't feel any empathy. 
I feel nothing. What is your mind doing? And often the mind starts going in a continuous circle about all the wrongs and all the things that have happened that have resulted in the betrayal of what matters most to us. Paying attention and noticing, you know, where am I carrying this? How we can create a kind of kindness toward our own experience, you know? People are hurt, they feel abandoned, they're scared, or frustrated and sad. And instead of pushing those feelings away to see if there's a way that we can extend a little bit more compassion to ourselves, just like you would to a good friend or to a patient who's suffering, to be able to allow ourselves to feel things just as they are. Now, are you saying that we accept it? You know, you're just going to tell me just, uh, yeah, just accept it. You're upset, you're angry, you're whatever. Is that the same thing? Well, I think accepting, it doesn't mean you agree with it. It doesn't mean that it's justified in terms of the things that have caused it are somehow extinguished. But it's also accepting in ourselves, this is how I am right now, you know, and also maybe even asking, on what circumstances has this anger been helpful to me? How might it be detrimental to me now and in the future? How long might this anger be useful? Because it is energy. And I think that we're not suggesting that we overlook the very real consequences of what has happened, but rather to allow ourselves a little bit space to explore where is this coming from? What might be possible for us to be able to meet this reality in a way that reflects who we really are and how we can make in the moment our values visible, how we can let go of what is really weighing us down related to this anger. One of the things I learned from one of my critical care colleagues during this pandemic is we were doing a session exploring just these very questions. When we think about letting go of being angry, it feels like we're abandoning our truth in some way. But what this nurse said was letting go doesn't mean you don't care. It means you're letting go of the grip of this emotion that is actually causing you and others a lot of suffering by holding on to it. Sometimes just by doing that, it allows us to feel like we're capable again, that we can make peace with the hard choices and to reclaim who we really are, not the disabled view of ourselves that we've come to create. And to find a way for us to accept that the circumstances that we've been in have created a whole host of baggage, moral residue, if you will, that even when we've done the right thing, there are unmet obligations and commitments. Part of our job is to see if there's a way to make peace with the fact that I did the best I could in the circumstances that I was in and to turn some compassion toward our own limits that the reason we're depleted is not because we're weak, 
It's not because we're not strong enough or smart enough. It's because the circumstances have demanded more than our resources were able to offer. I feel like it's really, really important right now for us to be honest, to name the sources of our anger and to inquire to see if it's possible that we might be able to let go of what's not serving us so that we can continue in whatever way we can in our role as a nurse. Cindy, let me ask you one more question. What about the folks who feel right now, first of all, I don't have time for this, pause, reflect, all of that kind of thing, or just, I'm not ready for it. I am angry, I'm mad, and I'm not ready to not be mad right now. Stop telling me I need to work through it and that kind of thing. No, I just need to be mad. What do we do with that? You're absolutely right. You know, you can't be somewhere you're not. And so part of this process is if we can acknowledge I am angry and this is what I'm angry about, that's okay to be where you are right now. Doesn't mean it's going to be that way forever, but for right now, it is serving a purpose of some sort. And I think the question is, is how long will this anger be useful to you? And how is it useful now? You know, it may be that the anger is the thing that allows people to keep showing up. And that energy is what propels people forward. And we need to know ourselves well enough to know when it's the right time for us to put that down. And, you know, it may not be anytime soon, but at least if we can see it for what it is and pay attention to how is this affecting me in my life? Is this serving me? Is this hurting me more than it's helping me? If we can kind of keep track of that, then that's probably the place where we can say, you know, this isn't working out so well right now, but for the moment, it's where I am. Is there anything we can learn for our years of uh, patient care where people don't make such good choices sometimes and we still are there to take care of them? We need to have spaces where we can talk about the emotions that go along with the choices and what we're asked to do. But in the moment, we have skills that we can draw on. We know how to show up. We know how to be respectful. And those are, are parts of our experience. I think we need to remember right now that your effort is not dependent upon the patient's choice, but rather in how you deliver your care and concern, regardless of the choice that they've made. Is if someone is in a position where they feel like they have no options, they can't do this anymore. That's what you're talking about. Take yeah. a pause, reevaluate. And not to be in too much of a hurry. You know, yeah. we didn't get here overnight. We're not going to get out of this overnight, obviously. But I think it's important to pay attention to the anger and to use it as a, as a tool for inquiry. I want to share this uh, quote by Stephen Levine. And he says, the investigation of anger leads us directly to the love beneath, to our underlying nature. 
When we bring anger into the area where we can respond to it, where we can investigate it, where we can embrace it, it emerges into the light of our wholeness. Then anger is no longer a hindrance, but a profound teacher. And so one of my final questions for all of us is what is this anger here to teach me? And that is a big question to sit with and one that I think is worth our engaging in that investigation to explore. I can't thank you enough, Dr. Cinder Rushton, for joining us here. And uh, I look forward to the next time we get to chat on whatever comes next. Thank you, Connie. Thank you for listening to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses Leadership Podcast, proudly sponsored by AACN's online community forums, with information available at aacn.org forward slash online community. We welcome your thoughts on this episode or ideas for future topics. Feel free to email us anytime at podcasts at aacn.org.